As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. What kind of person must this have been to be able to have met someone the first time and basically say, drop what you're doing and follow me, and people would do it? The Son of God. John 1.43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee and finding Philip, another young man. He said to him, follow me. It's a story of Jesus meeting who we call the rich young ruler, and in Mark 10 it says this, Jesus looking at him loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing, go, sell all that you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come, follow me. And then probably my favorite in Matthew 4.19, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, follow me. Say that with me. Follow me. I think it's interesting what Jesus did not say. He did not say, follow your heart, which is a common thing to say in our day. But Jesus knew that our hearts can lead us to places that later on we'll regret having gone to, right? The human heart is prone to wander away from God and away from His ways. He didn't say, follow your heart. He didn't say, follow whatever works for you. He was much more definitive, much more narrow than that. He said, follow me. He didn't say, uh, follow this other person. He didn't, he didn't point to Plato or Aristotle. He didn't point to any of the Greek gods or any of the Roman gods or, or to Caesar or anybody else. He didn't say, take your cues from this politician or that celebrity or this famous figure. He emphatically said, follow me. I'm the son of God. I made you. I know you, I understand what life is all about, follow me. And he did not say, follow the rules. He could have said, follow the rules, I guess. And sometimes when he encountered people who were proud and hard-hearted, he would give them God's rules, God's laws. But he didn't give them to those people as a pathway to life, but rather as a mirror. He held up the law of God as a mirror before those proud people so they would hopefully see their true condition before the Lord and why they needed Him so much. But the vast majority of the time when Jesus encountered someone, He would simply look at them and say, follow me. Follow me. I'm a person, not a set of rules. And so there is a sense in which you could say that a Christian is simply a follower of Jesus, and the Christian life is simply living every day seeking to follow Jesus, your leader. Now, this was not a mystifying thing in Jesus' day. When he looked at somebody and said, follow me, they were not perplexed about what he meant, right? He meant physically get up from what you're doing and come and, and follow me, join up with my little band of followers, travel around with me, learn from me, minister with me. Follow literally meant follow. In our day, since Jesus is not physically present here with us, following Jesus means to pursue Him, to pursue Jesus on a spiritual journey through life, and yes, to do that along with a band of fellow followers of Jesus. It's a spiritual journey, a spiritual pursuit. Let me talk about this notion of following for a minute, okay? 
How many of you have had the experience of um, going out on a little trip in a caravan of cars? Anybody had that experience? Sure you have. Our, our, I was our church's singles pastor for a number of years back in the 80s and 90s. And of course, when you're a singles pastor, you're always planning fun things for people to do, right? And so that was part of my job, and I would plan these little expeditions, these little uh, excursions and fun trips that our group would take together. And since I was the one who planned the trips, and because I felt responsible for everybody, I appointed myself as the leader of the car caravan, right? So I'm going I'm to be out in front, right? And so with the route all mapped out, I would tell these other drivers, follow me, and we'll get to SeaWorld, or we'll get to... Uh, What's that other place up there? Yeah, Cedar Point or uh, Kings Island or whatever. So here we take off from this church parking lot. You know, six, seven, eight cars. I'm out in front. And I'm telling you, invariably, within 15 minutes, I'd be looking in my, my mirror there, and some renegade behind me would creep out into the left lane, start to accelerate, pass the other cars. And I'm like, oh, come on now. And then, you know, they'd pass me up and they'd have these silly grins on their faces as they're looking at me and they pull in front of me. And it was so irritating. And, you know, I mean, usually it turned out okay. We got to where we were going. But sometimes when we got there, I'd let my irritation show a little bit and I'd go and corner that driver and I'd say, what about follow me did you not understand? This is not a hard concept. Just follow, right? Now, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I was only driving about 52 miles an hour. <laughs> I could have had something to do with it. Just follow. Not a difficult concept. Well, as I said, in one sense, you could sum up the whole Christian life with that one word and really not be far off. Just follow Jesus. Simple but profound, right? Follow Jesus. Jesus. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to follow Jesus, just like out on the road. Let him chart the course. Stay behind him. Let him lead. Keep him in your sights. Do what he does. Turn where he turns. Don't get distracted. Stay focused. Resist that urge to step out and creep up and pass him up. Trust him to get you to your destination. Just follow. That's the Christian life. And today, I'm hoping that we can learn several truths about what it means to follow Jesus here in the 21st century from a little story that occurred back in the first century. And uh, I think it's a fascinating encounter that Jesus had one day with a fisherman named Simon, Simon Peter to be exact. It's a great little story, and it doesn't contain everything there is to say about being a follower of Christ, but it does reveal the starting point, and it also reveals some of the basics or essentials of what it means to follow Jesus. And so, we're going to talk about this story. I like to call it the day that Simon Peter got it. The day he got it, okay? It's found in Luke chapter 5. Is it there on your outline? Is it written out? Okay. If you don't have one, you can go to this uh, on your device or in your copy of the scriptures, Luke chapter 5. Let me, let me read it for us. It goes like this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, that's on Jesus, the, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
So getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land, and then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. Do you get the picture here? The crowd's pressing in on Jesus. They're pressing in. They're getting closer and closer. He's, on the, he's about ready to fall into the drink there. He sees a boat. He asks the owner if he can get in. He asks him to put out a little bit, and he sits down, and he teaches the people who are now up on the shoreline, right? And he teaches them the Word of God. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Simon Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we, we toiled all night and took nothing. We got skunked last night. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled up both the boats so that they began to sink. That's a good day fishing, isn't it? But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and, what? Followed him. Became followers of Jesus. Well, this is a great story, isn't it? There's a lot in here. And as I read through it, I just made some initial observations here. Notice first that the crowd wanted to hear Jesus speak the word of God. Did you see that? The crowd was pressing in on him, it says, to hear the word of God. And I I think sometimes we who do follow Jesus can think that nobody wants to hear it. Nobody wants to hear what i got to say. No, no one at work is really interested. No one at, at the, down at the club is really interested. We tend to think this, don't we? They don't care. And yeah, that's true for some people, but, but I think it's worth noting that there are others, there are some, like the people in this crowd, who are hungry, who do want to hear the Word of God. There are people around us, maybe every day, who have grown weary of just hearing human opinion all the time. They're ready for something else. I think of uh, Jeff in that video last week. Jeff who said, he said, you know, I, I was caught in some addictions. I was struggling in my life. This was before he came alive to God. And he said, he said but I, I just wanted to know the truth. I wanted to know the truth. There are people like that in our lives who, who are yearning for something, wanting something rock solid to believe in and to build their lives on, and they're ready to listen. They're ready to listen to your story of how Jesus has come into your life, and they're ready to hear the Word of God. Let's not lose sight of that. There are still hungry people out there. And then the second thing I noted is that Jesus' way of life was really helping other people to know the truth. That was, that was how he lived. That was his way of life. Wherever you see Jesus in the Gospels, you see him connecting with people and then connecting those people with God and with God's truth. Wherever we see him, we see him investing in people, spending time with people, 
Yes, sometimes it was with huge crowds of people, but often it was with individuals. We saw the names of some of those, right? Matthew and Philip and others pouring into them. And so that tells me that I just need to be aware that if I'm going to follow Jesus, He's going to lead me away from just focusing on myself all the time. He's going to lead me into a lifestyle of investing in and pouring into other people. He's going to lead us to be attentive to others. That's the way of Jesus. And then a third observation I make from this story is that Jesus would reach people by getting into their boat. By getting into their boat. Did you see that? Think about that man, Simon, who owned that boat that Jesus got into. Jesus had a plan for this man. This becomes apparent, right? He wanted to open Simon Peter's eyes to some things that day. And I guess he could have gone up to Simon and said, hey, let's meet down at the synagogue and do some Bible study together. And that would have been fine. But he didn't do that. He instead went down to the shoreline and he got into Simon's boat. And when you think about Simon's boat, it's kind of a, a metaphor or an analogy because Simon's boat was Simon's world, wasn't it? It was Simon's life. It was his turf. His boat was his comfort zone. He spent hundreds of hours in that boat. It was the place where Simon Peter felt at home. It was his world. His was a world of tangled nets and smelly fish. His was a world of being in that boat and when the wind and the waves kicked up, of rocking back and forth out on the lake in the midst of trying to make a living. His was a world that probably would not have been necessarily pleasant or convenient for Jesus to enter into, but Jesus entered Simon's boat despite all of those obstacles, and it opened up an opportunity to show Simon something that would change his life forever. And I think that's instructive for us, because if we're going to really follow Jesus, it's going to involve us doing what Jesus did. It's going to involve us getting in other people's boats. Do you understand what I'm saying? Entering into their world. And I got thinking about this for me, and I know I'm a pastor and I've been a pastor for a long time, and, and church is my world, church is my boat, church is my turf. I'm very comfortable in church, and it's easy for me to always expect people to engage with me here, like, like come here, this is my world, this is, this is my turf, this is where I'm at home, but I have to realize that, that in many cases other people are not as comfortable here as I am. It's not their turf. So I've got to work at this as a pastor. I've got to work at getting into other people's worlds, getting into their boat, meeting them where they're at. Maybe you need to work at that too. But if we're going to reach people, most of the time we're going to need to go down to the lake, go down to where they are and get in their boat, enter into their world. And then I note this. And this, we see this over and over again in the Gospels. Jesus loves giving people a purpose for living, a mission. And we know from this story that Jesus had more in mind for Simon Peter than, than just helping him to have a good day fishing, right? He wanted to impart a whole new way of living to Peter, a, a brand new purpose for being alive beyond just making a living. 
He wanted to give Simon Peter a life on mission for what really matters, a life filled with purpose. And it occurs to me that Jesus wants to do this for each of us as well and for those that we know, to people who are wandering aimlessly through life. Jesus says, look, if you'll let me into your boat, I will give you a compelling reason to live that goes beyond your day job. Beyond just living for yourself. Last weekend, we heard Sarah in her testimony say, she, do you remember this? She said, I know my purpose now. She said, I'm solid. She says, I'm not, I'm not wandering anymore. I'm anchored. I'm solid. I know why I'm here. And you know what? That's going to become true for all of Jesus' true followers, it's one of the things I love about Jesus. He gives us a reason to get up every morning. He gives us a reason to get up every morning and live our lives. Well, the story ends with Simon Peter doing what? Pulling his boat onto the shore, leaving everything behind. Does that mean the fish, I guess? I don't know. And setting out on this new course of following Jesus with his life. And from that day on, Peter figured prominently, right, in the rest of Jesus' life. He was one of Jesus' uh, inner circle guys, Peter, James, and John, right, with Jesus almost uh, all the time. He was there at the start of the very first Christian church, and he was instrumental in the, the birth of this worldwide Christian movement that has impacted all of us. So, so this moment here, this day on the lake when Simon Peter really got it for the first time is huge for all of Christianity. And I think it's instructive for us today. And I'd like to ask, what, what happened out there on the lake? What really happened that day? What, what, what prompted the change in Simon Peter's direction for his entire life. What did he figure out that day on the lake that could help us understand what it means to follow Jesus here and now in our day? And I would like to suggest several things to you. What Simon Peter figured out on the lake first was this, that following Jesus begins with allowing Jesus to get into your boat. That's where it starts, right? Simon Peter would never be the same after this fishing trip with Jesus. Just about everything in his life changed. His friends, his outlook, his purpose, uh, how he spent his days, what he was chasing after in life, not to mention his eternal destiny. Peter entered into a new kind of relationship with Jesus that took him on an adventure with Christ Within a few short years, Simon Peter would be used in amazing ways to help thousands upon thousands of people find and follow Jesus. He truly did become a fisher of men, didn't he? But it all started with the simple choice on this day to let Jesus get into his boat. That's where it started, to enter into his world. Last week, my friend Ben, in his testimony here, made a memorable statement that I, it struck me and I think it struck a lot of us. He said, you know, I thought Jesus was coming for this one little area of my life. But he said, I now realize that Jesus was coming for all of it. 
He was coming for all of me. He wanted all of me, not just this little area of my life that was out of control. And I want us to understand that that's what Jesus does. He pursues people, amen? Jesus comes after us. He comes to where we are. He is chasing people down. This year for me marks 40 years since the the day that Jesus chased me down on a Southern California highway. I wasn't pursuing him. He was pursuing me. Coming to where I was. Getting into my boat in, in a sense. It's what his love drives him to do. Pursue people. Do you remember Laurel's story? Laurel said she was out walking one day and, and she was just contemplating how her life was missing something. Remember this? And she said, I was so confused because I, I thought I had everything that our culture tells us that I needed to have to be happy and I wasn't happy and I couldn't figure out what my life was missing. And she said, I'm just walking along and all of a sudden She said, I hear this voice, maybe you need Jesus. (laughs) Whoa, where did that voice come from? Whose voice was that? I don't know. All I can say is it sounds like something the Lord would do when he's pursuing someone for himself and wants to infuse his life into them, wants to call them to be one of his followers. Listen, listen, the reason anybody pursues and follows Jesus is due to the fact that Jesus first pursued them. It's a response. Following Jesus is a response to something that he initiated. In this story, he goes over and he asks Simon Peter, hey, hey, Simon, can I get into your boat? Yeah, it was because the crowd was pressing in on him. Yeah, it was because maybe he wanted to sit down after having been standing and teaching for a long time. But wasn't it also because he knew he wanted to pursue this rough around the edges fisherman? Because he wanted to enter his world, because he wanted to show him the truth of who he was and call him to be a disciple. And it occurs to me that maybe you are one. Maybe sitting here today in church, you are one who has been experiencing Jesus coming after you. He's coming after you. And the truth is, you've been hesitant. You've kind of been resisting his offer to enter into your boat, to come into your life for some reason. Maybe maybe you fear the changes he's going to bring if you let him in. Maybe you doubt. Maybe you've just lost hope and you doubt that anything can ever be different about you or, or different about your life. Or maybe... You're thinking, i got to clean my boat out first before I let Jesus, the Son of God, into my life. i got to clean up my life first so that I'm not ashamed when I let him in and he sees all that's there. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't ask us to clean out our boat first? He comes to us as we are, where we are. And yeah, he'll do some cleaning up once he gets in there, for sure. But he doesn't require us to clean up our lives so that he can enter. Listen, if that's you, if you're, if you're hesitant, if you're resisting him entering your life, listen, you can make excuses forever, and if you do, you'll miss out. You'll miss out. You'll never know what Jesus has for you if you don't take the risk and let Jesus into your boat. 
Think of all that Peter would have missed out on if he'd hesitated or been reluctant or said, no, go find somebody else's boat to get into. You see, following Jesus begins, begins with letting him into your boat, into your world, into your life. And I'm telling you, you can trust him. You can trust him. Let him come in. Let him come in. You'll be eternally glad that you did. Well, that's one thing that Simon Peter figured out that day. Here's a second thing that he came to understand that day out on the lake, and that's this, that we make progress in following Jesus through learning to trust and obey. Through learning to trust and obey Jesus. That's how we make progress on our walk, on our journey with him. So Jesus had finished up teaching the crowd, right? And then he turned his attention to this one man, and he wanted to show him something, so he told Peter, hey, hey, uh, put out into the deep water now. Let's head back out onto the lake, and then I want you to throw your nets out again for a catch. And Jesus knew, he's the Son of God, right? He knew that Peter had been fishing all night and hadn't caught anything, and the Scripture does tell us that Peter had, had his doubts. You know, I imagine he was probably thinking, well, we been doing that. <laughs> They're not biting. Or you might have thought, you know, hey, I'm the professional fisherman here, and you're like a young itinerant preacher. You know, I, why should I listen to you? And, and, and sometimes when people receive instructions from the Lord, they, they, they do get doubtful, or they do get cynical, or they do become resistant. They do perhaps think, well, that'll never work. Or, look, I've, been, I've done that already. I tried that. It didn't work for me. Or, or, who are you to tell me how to catch fish? I've been fishing for 20 years. Or, or what if I do this and it doesn't work? What if, I, what if we go out and I throw the nets out and we don't catch anything? I'm going to look stupid in front of my friends. But, you know, if, if Simon Peter had let any of those attitudes keep him from obeying Jesus' simple instructions, he certainly wouldn't have had this massive haul of fish, two overflowing boatloads of fish, and he might have missed out on Jesus' new purpose for his life. He might not have ever become the effective fisher of men that he became if he hadn't trusted and obeyed Jesus in that moment. And so I think there's an analogy for us, right? We hear the call of Jesus regarding something in our lives and and hopefully we overcome our doubts and our fears and our cynicism and we trustingly let Jesus into our boat and we, we look to him for his instructions and his words to us. And then we trust that he knows best. And hopefully in dependence upon him, we carry out his word in his strength as best we can. That's what following Jesus entails. Sure, it's a learning process. Sometimes we fail to trust him. Sometimes we refuse to follow his word. Even then, he's gracious, right, to let us fall on our face if need be, to stumble and stub our toe. He's faithful even to discipline us when we need it so that we will learn his ways. And that old chorus keeps ringing through my mind. Trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And it's true, isn't it? 
And that's what Simon Peter did that day, despite his hesitations and doubts and fears, despite the fact that he'd already done this. He trusted and obeyed Jesus, and it changed everything. And I wonder, if you are one who has let Jesus into your abode, I, I want to ask you, what area of your life is Jesus talking to you about these days? Is he instructing you about? Is he wanting you to simply trust him and obey him? Is it your future? I think of Jim and Joyce getting ready to launch out into a brand new chapter of their life. Is it, is it, is it your future that Jesus is saying, look, just trust me. Trust me with your future and obey me. Obey what I'm calling you to do. Is it, is, it, is it your goals in life, your mission in life? Is it a particular relationship that you're in that he's calling you to make a certain decision about that relationship? And he's saying, look, I know what's best. Trust me. Trust and obey. There's no better way to be happy in Jesus. Is it, is it how you spend your time? Is it your finances? When you're feeling the squeeze and you're not sure what to do and Jesus is saying, look, trust and obey. Is it your kids? And how you're parenting your kids who live in your home or your adult children. Let me urge you to learn from Simon Peter. It just makes good sense to trust and obey the Son of God whom you let into your boat, who you allowed into your life. Trusting and obeying Christ is the pathway towards growing in your life of following Jesus. And he'll give you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to trust him and obey Him in your life. You found that to be true? Yeah. Here's a third thing that Simon Peter figured out that day on the lake. Following Jesus, number three, requires letting Him change the focus of your life. I go back to my friend Jeff in his testimony last week, and he said, he said you know what, now that I've come alive to God... I just want to help other guys. I just want to help other men get free from the things that shackle them, that shackled me. I want to help them get free. That's what excites me now. That's what floats my boat now, I guess you could say. You know, after this big haul of fish, Jesus looked Simon in the eye and he said this, Simon Peter, from now on, i got something different from you. i got a new focus for, for your life. From now on, you're going to be catching men. You know what I think he was saying? I think he was saying this. Simon, if you become my follower, the whole focus of your life is going to change. Up till now, your life has been about fish. You eat, sleep, and dream about fish. What do you talk about when you get together with your buddies? Fish. You tell fish stories. The biggest one you ever caught, the bigger one that hopped out of the net and got away. You're always thinking and dreaming and scheming about how to catch more fish, how to catch bigger fish. You map out where the fish tend to gather in the lake. You plan strategies for increasing your, your catch. You argue over who's got the best nets. You plan fishing expeditions. You talk to your kids about the joys of being a fisherman and how great it is to catch fish. Well, now I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something that's better than catching fish. You see, catching fish is fine, Peter, but catching people is better. 
Fish won't last forever, but people will. I got plans for you, Simon, beyond catching fish. I'm calling you to a life of catching men. Fishing for fish may be your day job, but fishing for people is going to become your real job. Sure, fishing for fish is necessary, but fishing for men is essential. Catching fish is a way to make a living, but catching men is the way to make a life. A life worth living. Catching fish brings earthly reward, but catching men brings heavenly rewards. Catching fish may be your vocation, but catching people for God is now going to be your mission. Catching fish is fun, but catching people is funner, if that's a word. And it says, again, the story ends, Peter pulled his boat up on the shore and left everything and followed Jesus. You know what I think that tells me? I think he got it. I think he got it. I think he said to himself, look, look, Peter, your whole life has been about fish, slimy, scaly, smelly fish. Isn't it about time you gave yourself to something that really, really matters? I think he said, look, you can learn some things. All your fishing experience can help you catch people for God. And yeah, you've got some fears about that, but don't you think that if Jesus can help you catch fish, that he's also going to help you catch men? You fished all night by yourself and didn't catch a thing, but with Jesus in your boat, you brought in the biggest haul of your life. If Jesus can help you catch fish, buddy, he can certainly help you catch people for God. I think he got it. And this was to become his new focus. And you know what? It's going to become your focus, too, if you follow Jesus. It's the way of Jesus. One pastor I heard put it this way, found people, find people. It's good, isn't it? Found people, find other people. He was right. When you've been found by Jesus, you want to help other people be found by Him, too, and Jesus is going to help us do it. You know... We can make choices about what our life's going to be all about, right? And some people choose to aim their life at making lots of money or climbing the corporate ladder, becoming successful in the eyes of the world, making a name for themselves, garnering lots of awards and achievements. But, but really, I mean, is that really where life is really at? Getting the stellar job, the trophy spouse, the picture-perfect family, the house in the right neighborhood, the picket fence... All those things are the things one of my other friends mentioned last week that he was aiming his life at. But like he said, at the end of the day, what's ultimately the point? Where does it leave you? Does all that striving after those things really bring true happiness in life? Or as he said, is it just idolatry that leaves you empty and confused? I'm telling you, if you and I choose to respond to Jesus' pursuit of us by following Him with our lives, at some point, at some point, He's going to take us to the place of others-oriented living. He's going to work to shift our focus from self to others, from things to people, from the here and now to that which will last forever. From focusing our lives on catching more fish to giving our lives to catch more people for God. Now, no, you probably don't need to quit your job like Simon Peter did. 
But I would say this, if you're really following Jesus, you're going to begin to see your job as a means to an end, a new end, the end of helping people, other people know and follow Jesus. All right, there's one final truth I want to draw out from this story. It's something that Simon Peter figured out that day. Number four, following Jesus means trusting Jesus to accept you and use you to help others despite your sins, flaws, and faults. And how many of you have sins, flaws, and faults like I do? I mean, you can just ask my wife. She lives with me, you know. She knows my sins and flaws and faults. I love that part of the story when Simon Peter realizes that this catch of fish had to have a supernatural element in it. Like there had to be divine assistance, right? Calling all of those fish into those nets. He was just out the night before. And it, it dawns on him in that moment that he is in the presence of deity. He's looking around at all these smelly fish hopping around in the boat, and he's thinking, God did this, and God is right here with me in this boat. And as it dawns on him that Jesus is God, he immediately does what any one of, one of us would have done. He bows down before Jesus and says, depart from me, I, I'm a sinful person. I'm a sinful man. You see, out on the lake that day, Peter realized that he was in the presence of pure holiness. And he knew himself. He knew he was far from holy. And he knew that Jesus knew that also. And it scared him. And I love how Jesus responded to him in that moment, don't you? He said, you're right, you foul-mouthed, cocky son of a gun. You shouldn't be within a thousand miles of me. I'm sending you straight to hell. Is that what Jesus said? No, he says, look, Simon, you don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to incinerate you in this moment because you're a sinful man. You don't have to be afraid. I have a plan for you, imperfect though you are. From now on, you're going to catch people for me, and I'm going to help you do it. Don't you love that? Jesus knew all about this guy, his past, his arrogance, his colorful language, his propensity for sticking his foot in his mouth and being impetuous. And yet, he saw this man's repentance in the moment, kneeling at his feet. He knew he was sincere in his repentance. He knew that his faith was genuine. He accepted him in that moment. He saved him, and he assured him that he would indeed be used to help other people now find and follow God. So let me just say it. You don't have to be perfect to be used by Jesus. Amen? I loved hearing Jeff Ely last week say in his testimony how it made all the difference in the world when he finally realized, I don't got to be perfect. Jesus was perfect for me. So the pressure's off. I can get off that performance treadmill that I've been running on for years and years and years, exhausting, trying to get God to be happy with me by trying to be perfect. And he said, I came to realize Jesus was perfect for me. I don't got to be perfect. And the pressure is off. It's so freeing. It's so empowering. 
And it's true for you too. You do not have to be perfect for Jesus to use you. In fact, he specializes in using imperfect vessels to do his work. Or as one guy said, crack pots, right? Crack pots for Jesus. I don't know about you, but I, most days I thank God. I just, in my prayer time, I say, God, thank you for using an imperfect person like me. I'm blessed by that. I don't deserve it. This is a great story, isn't it? I believe that this account of the day that Simon Peter really got it should be an inspiration to us, an encouragement to all of us today. It tells us that Jesus is pursuing very imperfect people in this world. He wants to get in our boat with us. Excuse me. He wants to get in our boat with us. Tells us that Jesus wants to reveal himself to us and call us to a life of following him. Even though we have our faults. Excuse me. It reveals the heart of the Lord who wants us to learn to trust him and obey him. Trust and obey in every area of our lives. And who is aiming to shift our focus from ourselves to other people. And who is going to use us in the lives of others despite our flaws. And despite our imperfections. To help bring many people into his family of followers. And so, I believe that he says, not just to Simon Peter and not just to those first century disciples, but to all of us today, follow me. Follow me, just follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. It's a promise with a purpose. I want to use you to catch people for God. I heard a pastor recently talking about, uh, he was talking to his congregation and he asked them the question, he said, Who, who's your two? And they're like, what? Who, who's your two? Who are your two people that you're burdened for Jesus getting into their boat? You know, your children, your parents, your friends, a co-worker, who are your two people that, that, that you're regularly praying for and thinking, God, you, they need you. They need you so much. Could you use me in their life, someone who's imperfect, who has flaws? Could you use me? Who's your two? I, I think that's a good question, don't you? Ever think about that? Do you have two people in your life that you're burdened to come to know Jesus, that you're burdened that Jesus would, they would allow Jesus into their boat and change their focus and change their life and save them? Who's your two? I know who my two are. But I thought maybe the best way we could finish up this morning, because it's been a while, is to take a few moments and pray for our two. Do you have some people in mind? People that you're burdened for? Wouldn't it be great? If God worked in their life in such a way, if maybe, maybe your prayer is, God, send them somebody. Send them somebody. Send somebody to them who's the real deal that they can't write off and they can't dismiss, who's living it out. Who are your two? So I, I'm going to invite you these next few moments, and I'm going to join you to, to just come and kneel and pray or stand at the altar and pray for your two that you ache for, that you long for to come to know Jesus.
and asking, Lord, could this be the year? Could 2019 be the year that you get into their boat? And we just heard that you pursue people. Pursue them. I mean, I think we can, we see the heart of Jesus in this story. We can ask Jesus to be who he is and go after people. All right? So some music's going to start playing. But I would invite you right now to, to come and pray for your two. And I'll join you in that.